morning. To those of you uh, observant folk, uh, I am not Pastor Brent, um, and I am not in Israel. So uh, that's your first clue. Your second clue is I'm not Pastor Brent. Um, my name is Jeremy Bays. I come to you from uh, Topeka, Kansas here, and uh, most of you have known me and my wife, Lori. Um, I've been a uh, Nazarene pastor for about 15 years or so, and now a Wesleyan pastor for about the same amount of time. Uh, so you put that together, and it makes me old. Um, but beyond that, first of all, first and foremost, happy Labor Day weekend. This is the, uh, the, the holiday that, uh, I guess, according to my mother, says, you know, we've, she labored 93 hours or something, and so we were supposed to celebrate her and bring her gifts and uh, something. But, uh, yeah, my employer said something different, but I, I don't know. So, so um, yeah, so for, for you mothers in the house, uh, congratulations. Or I, you know, I, honestly, does anyone here truly know what Labor Day is? I, I, I honestly don't. I wikipedia it, and I still don't understand it. But anyway, happy Labor Day weekend. Today we're going to be looking at Esther. The Queen of Beauty and Courage is kind of the title of our, our message tonight, or this morning. And this is a time where we're kind of wrapping up the Old Testament through the, uh, the story, that, uh, the, the Bible series that we're, we're reading through and such. We're getting to the point where we're kind of wrapping our Old Testament time together. Um, so what have you learned in the Old Testament time? The Old Testament can be a daunting book well, series of books, a daunting collection. It can seem like the story of someone else. It can look like, um, well, you know, that's about them, whoever, that, whoever the them may be. But do you see us? Do you see you in the story? Pastor Brent did a wonderful job talking about the upper story and the lower story, separating those two things, yet they're intertwined. The lower story today is Esther's story. The upper story has not changed, not at all. The upper story is very simple. God wants to restore a relationship with his people, us. Back to the way it was at the beginning. Back before the time we messed it up. Back before the time we talked to some snake going, hey, look, the apple looks good, huh? Yeah, it does. Eat it. Okay. When talking to snakes is never a good idea. And we messed it up. And God's working hard to restore that. So tonight, I hope you have a wonderful night. I'm going to keep saying that forever because I'm used to preaching at night. This morning, we're going to be looking at the book of Esther. So I'm going to give you about 20 minutes to find the book of Esther in your Bible, because it's kind of buried in there. So look at the table of contents, find that, and let's find the book of Esther together, okay? While you're doing that, let's introduce some people, let's introduce some concepts, let's talk about Esther. So I have my nice little iPad here, but I don't trust technology, even though I use it every day. So I have uh, all my old notes here, and you know, looking at these notes and such, I'm thinking about three hours. Um, so if you guys want to do, um, order lunch ahead, you know, I would say about three o'clock would be a good time. Um, all right, I'm kidding. Um, somewhere along the way, I learned a, 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 a wise saying, 
I'm pretty sure it's from in Proverbs or something. But the mind can only absorb what the seat can endure. So we'll leave it at that. So as you're finding the book of Esther in your scriptures, let's talk about kind of our, our setting, okay? Our setting starts with Persia. And Persia was a large empire. Here's a wonderful graph of, uh, of the Persian empire. Now, we have, uh, historically, we've had several large groups that have conquered large areas of land and created empires over the years. Babylon was the last empire that we looked at and we studied and we talked about and such. But Babylon fell to Persia. And Persia took over land from pretty much Libya, up here in Egypt, all the way out over to the Kush Valley. Um, that's going, um, I mean, goodness, look at that. That's a long way. You look at that little tiny um, speck in the, uh, let's see, the top left-hand corner that says Greece. Well, that is an a, a empire that's yet to come. But Persia was the predominant empire of the land. Okay? And our story begins there. But truthfully, our story begins further back. Now, if you remember from last uh, week, we talked about a Persian king that told the um, Jewish people, yeah, you may go back to Israel, I'm sorry, back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And his name was Cyrus. And he was a Persian king that we talked about back, um, well, last week. And he said, you can go back, you can build it, rebuild the temple. Okay? Cyrus had a son. His name was Darius. Now, Darius was the king who was defeated across several battles by this little group of people called the Greeks. Now, Darius has, um, you know, the story of Darius has the most famous uh, Megeri Tiagi, which is, you know, Japanese for a front kick. So, um, so, in all of history, and it's something like, this is Sparta! Anyway, um, so the Spartans and such, those battles, the battles of uh, the gates of fire and such, that was Darius who was commanding that army. And that army came in, the Persian army came in, they defeated these Greeks, but at a heavy toll, a heavy cost, and at a disgrace. Um, there was a naval battle in which they lost over 300 ships. There was a, um, a battle of Marathon where someone, some idiot ran 26 miles and now we have to do it forever because um, that's what a marathon is now. You know, you think about it. If he ran 26 feet, I could say to myself, I did a marathon last night. Anyway, but no, 26 miles. I have a car. Shut up. All right, so, <clears throat> so a Spartan soldier ran 26 miles to ask for aid. Yeah. Yeah, or he could have texted. Anyway, um, so there was that. And this is um, under King Darius. Darius had a son named Xerxes, the grandson of Cyrus, the son of uh, Darius. And now the emperor, well, emperor, the king, in charge. So he was in charge of all this, this Persian empire. And Xerxes got this idea 
in his head. He said, we're going to gather together and we're going to hold a celebration in which we're going to pregame or, or pre-celebrate or just have a giant party celebrating the fact that we've conquered the Greeks, even though they hadn't done it yet. Because, you know, that's always a good idea. Something about chicken and eggs and don't count chickens before they hatch and all that other stuff. But they decided to have a six-month-long party. And at the end of six months, he's like, well, that wasn't enough. Let's add another week onto that. So they're having a giant uh, celebration. <coughs> and as uh, you can imagine, there was a lot going on during that time. Part of what was going on during that time was the queen was hosting the wives and the ladies of the court in another celebration. Her name was Vishti. Um, Vishti, excuse me, Vishti. And so she was hosting the ladies in another celebration where she gets the summon from the king. And the king says, come to my side of the fence or whatever, and um, we want to parade you around and, and show you off and such and, and show everybody that, that my queen is the most beautiful and the most wonderful and she makes the best sandwiches and whatever um, across the entire land. And so the queen said, what my wife has told me a few times, I'm busy. <clears throat> that never goes well. So she said, uh, I, I have, uh, I don't know, 2,473 people over here that I have to entertain and I have to keep busy and I have to keep going and such. And you want me to do what? No, not going to happen. And so Xerxes said, well, this women's live movement needs to stop right here and right now. Xerxes said, uh, you kiss your mama with that mouth? No, nope, it ain't going to happen here. Xerxes said, you are no longer queen. Sorry, goodbye, hasta luego, see you later. <coughs> so Vishti is the former queen now, the exiled queen who was uh, kicked out of the kingdom for not making him a sandwich. Um, we have a couple other people in our story. Okay, for those of you who don't know, if you ever watch Veggie Tales, if you get your you know, Old Testament from a talking vegetable, uh, Queen Esther, the queen got booted for not making the king a sandwich. So that's where that came from. We got another cast, or another person in our cast. Her name is Esther. <coughs> and Esther is a lone Jewish woman who lost her father and mother along the way somewhere. We're not quite sure how. And she was raised with her um, first cousin Mordecai as her guardian. Her name is um, Hadessa. And it basically means myrrh, like, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that kind of thing. So her name, was she has a, a Hebrew name, but we know her by Esther, which is her Persian name, which means star. So Esther is the star of our story, All right? Uh, also along with Esther, we have Mordecai, Mordecai being her first cousin, uh, who raised Esther as, um, as his own. And uh, he was her uh, guardian. And then every good story needs a good villain, right? So what would Star Wars be without Darth Vader? What would Harry Potter be without the Voldemort guy? What would um, Lord of the Rings be without Sauron? What would, um, I don't know, 
fill in the blank. I, I, I lost it. <laughs> uh, think of a good story. And every, good, every story has a good villain, right? Because we have to create the tension and we have to create that, that element, that plot element there. And so we have a person by the name of Haman here. And Haman was the evil viceroy of the king. Now, what's the word? The viceroy? The only time I've ever used that term was in Star Wars Episode One, and you know how that went. That wasn't very good. Um, anyway, um, but viceroy, basically the second in command, the, the, the king's right-hand man. And so Haman is our evil villain. So that kind of sets the stage, I guess, for um, the, the book of Esther. Our characters here, they're all lined up. And just like you would in a reader's theater or a Shakespearean play or a ninth grade English assignment, everybody was assigned a character. We talked about the characters. We looked at them. And every character has a role to play in order to move the story forward from the inciting incident all the way out to the uh, conclusion. Notice how I use those fancy words. My English teacher would be proud. All right. Uh, I don't know what an inciting incident is. I just had to throw that in there. Okay. So... Here's how our story starts, right? Esther is one of only two books in the Bible that doesn't mention the word God in it. So how did it get thrown in our Bible? How did it get canonized? Well, it almost didn't. But it's only one of only two <coughs> books that don't have God mentioned in it. And so for that matter or in that way, I, as a preacher, avoid it. I'll be honest Esther is one of the hardest books in the Bible to preach out of, the second being Song of Solomon, which is also another book that doesn't mention God. So those two books are very difficult to preach. And I, I, I dare say when Pastor Brent said, hey, Jeremy, can you preach for me? Oh, sure. Not, no problem. We're going to be preaching out of Esther. I'm like, of course you are. Of course you are. Because when we look at the book of Esther, we can fall into a couple traps. The first is, I can make it a history lesson and bore you to death. Xerxes was a king, and this is over here. This, you know, I kind of already did that, right? Most of you are already asleep. The second thing I can do is um, grab a verse out of, totally out of context, you know, for such a time as this. Well, that means that you have to do this and that and the other thing, and and just totally throw it out of context and work from it that way. That's a hard thing to do as well. The third thing I can do is summarize the entire book because, you know, if you can't read, that's great. But if you want to read it yourself, you can read it yourself and figure it out that way as well. So that's the third thing. The final thing, I haven't figured out yet. So we'll see how that goes. All right. So we're on our, our part two. We're going to summarize the book. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple, but pretty complex and pretty profound. This is the story of God's saving hand. No, let's put it another way. This is a story of God's invisible hand reaching out and saving the Jewish nation, even when they had no clue what was going on, right? As I remember, as you remember, I was telling you, Queen Vishi has, uh, Vishti, excuse me, has been exiled and uh, kicked out of the, the kingdom. So now the king went off to war. He was defeated. He comes back. He's uh, moping around, and they're like, Mr. King, Mr. King Xerxes, we need to do something about this. So, hey, I got an idea. I'm sure someone, some guy there that said, let's have a Miss Persia contest. Why not? Let's do that. Let's gather all the young ladies in the land 
And then we'll put them through a year of beauty treatments. And then have them appear before you. Gentlemen, you think your wives take a long time to get ready? Imagine a year of fragrance and perfume. And that's the same thing, huh? Fragrance and jewelry and hair and makeup and whatever else takes forever. I don't know. Um, until finally it's time to appear before the king. And when they appear before the king, I'm sure that there was, you know, the uh, ease next, swimwear. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, that's a 1980s uh, Wendy's commercial uh, and such. I'm sure it was just like a beauty contest because why not? Okay. There's probably even a talent section, you know. And I really think it was like, puppies are cuddly, puppies are cute. They're never nasty or mean. I'll give a home to all the lost puppies if ever someday I were queen. Thank you. Thank you. Marcy, I'm available. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> I'm available for a worship. <laughs> Last time I sang, three people changed religions. Um, <laughs> yeah, they sang to go sing on a hill far away. Anyway, <laughs> Really far away. Okay, that's also from Veggie Tales as well. Anyway, so they had a Miss Persia contest <coughs> uh, where they spent an entire year getting ready, and then they appeared before the queen. And as we saw in the book of Esther, Esther was chosen as queen. Yay, Esther. Good, good, good for her. So in that time, Mordecai was hanging out, <coughs> overhearing, listening, keeping tabs, keeping an eye out, for his um, guardian, I guess, um, Esther. And he overheard a plot in which they're like, we're going to go and we're going to kill the king. And Mordecai said, hey, hey, Essie, come here, Esther, come here. They want to kill the king. Go to the king in scars, tell him this, tell him that, tell him this is what they're going to do, tell him how they're going to do it and such, and we'll spoil it. And so they did, and it was spoiled. So, that's where we find ourselves in, um, <coughs> excuse me, in, um, in Esther. <clears throat> Haman and Mordecai are at odds. And they are at odds for several reasons. But one of the reasons they're at odds is because Haman is, a, is an Asher or an Asherite. He is of a different tribe <coughs> than Mordecai. He is, um, their, their feud, their, their tension has been going back long, long, thousands of years. A long time. But, as, um, uh, as conflict usually goes, it was just simply, he didn't like him. All right? We can, we can get very, very theological about it, but they just didn't like each other. And so Haman decides he's going to create a plot to kill the entire Jews. Not just Haman. I mean, I'm sorry. Not just Mordecai. Excuse me. Not just Mordecai, but all of the Jewish people. <clears throat> and so Haman plots this with his friends. They take um, lots like dice, and they roll the dice to see what day they're going to exterminate the Jews. And that time comes up, and it's about a year or so in the future. And we were talking about this in Sunday school. It was, uh, you, you kind of think when you read this, 
that it was, you know, the next day or the next week or 24 hours later or something like that. But if you look back at the map of Persia, you had to get a message out from Libya all the way out to the Kush Valley. That was a large area to cover. And it took a long time to get word out, to get messengers out, to create that dispatch and get them out. And such. You couldn't text, you couldn't tweet or X or whatever it's called. You couldn't Facebook your, your compadres or email them or even call them on the phone or, or what have you. So word had to get out um, slowly. So Haman starts this plot and sets this plot in motion. Mordecai overhears this. And he goes to uh, Esther and says, we need to stop this. <coughs> we need to stop this now. And you need to be, uh, appear before the king and tell them of this evil plot. And in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, we see this. For if you remain silent at this time, relief for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your families will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Let me read that again. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your family will perish. And who knows? But maybe, perhaps, you've come to your royal position for such a time as this. This is a pivotal verse in the book where Esther really does some true soul searching. And she thinks, Perhaps God placed me in this place, in this position, with these responsibilities, as, you know, as queen. Um, oh, goodness. I, I tried. I tried. Uh, there we go. As queen. <clears throat> and we made these in Sunday school class, and they're not working out so well. As, forget it. As queen for such a time as this. Let me ask you a very simple question. Where has God placed you? And why? Okay. <clears throat> then Queen Esther, in verse, uh, uh, chapter 7, verse 3. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, if it pleases you, grant my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. So Esther went before the king, uninvited, in which the penalty was death. She appeared before the queen, and I'm sure she was trembling at the door as she stepped into the royal court. She was acknowledged. She was uh, presented to the king, and she awaited the hammer fall. She wasn't sure what was going to happen. She wasn't sure how he, she was going to be received. She knew the penalty was death. Or the king, Xerxes, accepted her and said, what is it that I can do for you, basically? She says, if I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. Spare my people. And Esther, <clears throat> through her bravery and her courage, but most importantly, her faith and her trust in her God, presented herself to the king, 
for that request. And that request not only saved Esther, not only saved her family, not only saved Mordecai, but saved the entire people of Israel. Even under this day. And even under this day, um, in uh, chapter 9, verse 27, even under this day, the Jews celebrate this story, celebrate this time. It says, And the Jews took it upon themselves to establish the custom that they and their descendants and all who joined them should, without fail, observe these two days every year in the way prescribed and at the time appointed. These days should be numbered and observed in every generation, by every family, and in every province, and in every city. For these days of Purim should never fail to be celebrated by the Jews, nor shall the memory of these days die among our descendants. This, is, this was uh, the story. It was turned into a holiday. Not Labor Day, but a holiday that was important, that is to this very day important to our Jewish brothers and sisters. Purim, in, in, in modern times, Purim was lots. Remember that? Casting of lots. It's, it's the roll of the die that determined the day in which the, <coughs> the Jews were going to be eradicated. <clears throat> but Purim in modern times is, uh, is celebrated by the reading of the book of Esther, the story of Esther, by giving food and gifts to family and friends, by giving uh, charity, and being especially Jewish, it's uh, eating a festive meal. <coughs> so... So what? So what? How does this apply to us today? How does this affect me today? <clears throat> or I've already quoted from Veggie Tales, but my second favorite cartoon quote, it's even on, I even have it on the back of my car, is this right here. And why should I care? You guys know what that's from? Come on, someone knows. That's uh, Unicorse from Bluey. And why should I care? So the book of Esther, or the story of Esther, to me, looks like season 25 of The Bachelorette or something. It's just, it's just um, a, a book or a story filled with drama. A, a, a place where <coughs> um, it just couldn't help but be scripted and just weird you will. But when you look closer, you'll see that never once was Esther alone. Never once was Mordecai on his own. Never once was the Jewish people abandoned. Never once was God out of the question or um, out of the picture. Um, God showed his provision in times of trouble. God showed his guidance behind the scenes through this uh, story. And God shows us that, very simply, if God is for us, who can stand against us? The mighty Persian Empire? Nay. The Babylonian army? Not so much. Going to the New Testament time, the Romans, the Greeks? Not so much. The United States, the... Uh, <coughs> European Union, I, I don't know, I'm throwing in things. The, the Republicans, the Democrats, the Independents, the, throw in the blank, whatever you want to be. For such a time as this, 
I'm going to pick on Marcy for just a second here, okay? Marcy, I'm sorry for picking on you, but I'm just going to do it and not ask for permission. I'll ask for forgiveness. No, I wouldn't even do that. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> Marcy is eagerly anticipating the arrival of a small one, if you haven't noticed. And I imagine somewhere in Marcy's mind, the question is, am I ready for this? Because if you haven't thought that, I thought that with my children. My first child, my second child, my third child, I, I thought that. Am I ready for this? Am I ready to have my life changed? Kind of turned upside down a bit, in a good way, but it's still turned upside down. Am I ready for this? Can I handle this? And I'll be honest, back in uh, 1997, I was wondering, should I bring a child into a world like this? In this way, that's, you know, the world's, the world's always been a mess. Let's just not be, lie to each other. But a world of, like this. Should this child be born for such a time as this? But this is where I find hope. This is where I find comfort. This is where I find purpose. That knowing my child, my children, myself, was placed in this world at this exact time. For this exact reason and this exact purpose. And can I give you a little secret? Every single one of you was placed here for a purpose. We have entire books about, you know, the purpose-driven life and discovering your purpose and what is your purpose and such. And sometimes it's a, it's a story or it's something that's... Un, uh, Deeply covered. It's hard to uncover. That's what I want. It's, it's hard to see. But you're not here by accident. Esther was not placed in her situations by accident or fate. She was placed there by the hand, the invisible hand of God. And so are you. You are in Topeka, Kansas right now for a reason. Sometimes being in Topeka, Kansas, you really have to wonder, what's the reason, God? But we're here for a purpose and for a reason. I'll give you just a, a super quick story. I was born in San Diego. End of story. Now I'm in Topeka. <laughs> I wonder from time to time, God, what were you thinking? <laughs> but I know that things, uh, things, all things work together for good for those who trust in the Lord. Um, you are unique. You have strengths that, that others around you need. You have weaknesses that are complemented by the strengths of the person next to you or the people next to you or the people that surround you. Think about that for a minute. We talk about our strengths all the time. My strengths are this, that, and the other thing. But our weaknesses are just as important because... <clears throat> When they join together and they bind together, you create something beautiful. They create a crown that we can all wear before the Father and that we can all be joined together as one before God. Mercy, can you come and help us tonight, this morning? <clears throat> and just like the, uh, the pop sing, uh, Christian song, uh, 
I'm sorry, Christian group, Casting Crowns, <laughs> says, we shall remove our crowns and place them at the throne, at the feet of Jesus, knowing that he is the one that paid the price for us. He is the one that has gone before us, and it is his invisible hand that has been there the entire time, all through our lives.
Paul summarized what we were talking about this morning in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. He said, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can stand against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. He intercedes for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Christ. Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or the sword? For it is written, we face death all day long, and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, any heights or any depths, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing will separate you from the love of God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. If Esther didn't prove that, you weren't listening. Let us stand. <clears throat> Lord, we come to you tonight, or this morning, and we just thank you so much for your love your grace, your kindness, and your mercy to us. Thank you, Father, for keeping that protective hand um, upon us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for going before us, preparing the way. Thank you, Lord, for that invisible hand guiding and leading. Thank you for that upper story as you restore us unto you. We love you, and we praise you, and we serve you. In Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. My benediction is very simple. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, or any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Live that truth this week as we go in peace.